Hi everyone and welcome to the Furry Podcast. Now, um, we are taking a little bit of a break in this episode from our Match Microscope trilogy to bring you a very special episode with myself, George Thompson, and my colleague David Forrest. And the reason we are doing so is because it is our intention today to bring you a special commemorative episode for the 25th anniversary of 6394. Now, if you are a fan of Japanese wrestling, uh, 6394 will need no introduction. And the thing, the thing is, this podcast has made sort of made quite a bit of capital out of poking fun at the sort of uh, wrestling forum uh, types who uh, th- these people who are like oh it's very good but it's uh, no 6394 and the thing is like that, that when we criticize that it's because we're having a go at the people who have this as their touchstone and refuse to admit that any sort of wrestling ever could possibly be better than this match and you you can't you can't just think okay you know just at least open yourself to new ideas you know you might enjoy say a random gato move emi sakura's living room match uh, mm. like you know just as much as you would 6394 albeit in a different way but you know not everything has to follow the king's road template and indeed you know um there are wrestlers who found that out to their immense cost later in life however um namely the entire roh roster <laughs> well yes indeed um uh but uh the, the thing is like there are things that are popular and tend to be these sort of touchstones for people they tend to be popular for a reason it's like even if you watch the godfather and it wasn't really your thing you probably still would come away thinking that okay francis ford coppola at least knows how to put a film together so um that's that's basically what we're doing you know we, we are big fans of the match it's just that we don't think it should be this big uh, touchstone. But, like, the match is very, very, very good. Don't get us wrong. So we're basically just going to do a little bit of a review just of this uh, match, uh, just to really commemorate the 25th anniversary because we think it's, uh, you know, quite an important milestone. But before we do so, um, yeah, how, how's things? Have uh, you been, uh, been up to much? Yeah, not too bad. I love how uh, I'm wondering how many people have just shot off at four minutes thirty when you've went the match. It's really, really good. You know, like, all right, that's fine. I I know. Um, <laughs> although, to be fair, if you um if if you're re- listening to this, expecting a review and thinking of us, you know, like of course it's really good. Like it's like it's the match that everyone has talked about for the last twenty five years. Like yeah, spo- spoiler: one of the greatest matches of all time is one of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah, I know who'd have thunk. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm going on a trip to see George. Uh, crazy, crazy trip. That this is such like such madness. But like, <laughs> I I absolutely love it. Tell him what you're doing, David. Um, uh, tell like, our nice fans. Right. Um. So uh, we're going to the Atlantic Heritage Trophy. Is that what it's called? It sounds like a sort of like you know a white supremacist shot putt tournament. It's like lots of disputed nations. So like national teams are not part of. Uh, UEFA or FIFA and they're getting together for a tournament well lots of them were and then half of them cancelled um, the day after I bought my £75 train ticket it was fantastic so yeah um, we're, I'm going to see George in Harrogate uh, now as listeners will know from the podcast I live in Glasgow and it's quite far away I believe it 4 hours and 29 minutes down and then 4 hours and 31 minutes back um, I leave it at like 10 to 8 I get in at like 12 uh, uh, like you know about half twelve or something like that and had to get a meeting George we're going to the football and then about seven o'clock I'm going back on the train back up to Glasgow it's also the Champions League final the night before and I'm going for a drink with my friends to watch it and I was trying to squeeze in the Anthony Joshua fight which I, I don't think will be happening anymore what the fight? is his opponent cancelled again? <laughs> Like Alistair Campbell. <laughs> Alistair cancelled, as you dubbed him before we uh, went on air, and something I very much regret wasn't recorded, so I'm saying it again now. 
Alistair cancelled, yes. And as well as that, I'm working at ATM the next morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... That is very special to, uh, to see a football match between uh, Jersey... Uh, shout out to our good friend uh, Patrick Reed of Channel Islands World Wrestling and the uh, the Chagos Islands, which was a um, uh, an atoll which was seized by the British government in 1967, and the uh, yeah the indigenous people displaced so that the Yanks could build an airbase on there, and they still haven't been allowed back. In case you thought that the British Empire was over, either in mentality or materiality, but uh, they have a football team which uh, sort of tours the UK from time to time to raise awareness of their plight, and so we're going to. <laughs> fucking Harrogate uh, yes. to watch uh, there was only 70 tickets available um, to non-members as well I, I spent literally like the entire <laughs> evening just constantly refreshing the Yorkshire Independent Football Association Twitter account and I was on I was on the website 19 seconds after the link was posted I, I, <laughs> I was like moment in your life let's be <laughs> well, I, was, I was like David spent 75 quid on the trains the least i could do is actually score some tickets for this otherwise we're just going to be hanging around in a pub in harrogate all afternoon <laughs> which like, i mean it sounds great but i mean on, in terms of my i am giving up the scottish junior cup final to go to this so as a heavy um, sacrifice yeah exactly i can like talbot versus varg so I'm, I'm i'm looking i say i'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really not looking forward to the journey but i'll probably have to hastily edit this in the train down because i've only got two days to fucking edit this before 6394 and i'm doing lots of things so yeah i think yeah shoot it'll be it'll be good fun um if there is any podcast listeners who can travel back in time and hear this before um sunday and are in the harrogate region i don't know what's more likely to be a time travel or to be in harrogate You know, um, they're both equally as uh, ridiculous as each other. Glasgow to Edinburgh, Edinburgh to York, York to Harrogate. I'll probably fall asleep and end up in fucking Penzance. But, you know, yeah, uh, it'll be fine. But watch, yeah, out, um, watch out for Kyrie Sane. Watch out for Kyrie Sane. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, speaking of wrestling news, like uh, d- uh, Double or Nothing has happened, uh, the last weekend at the time of recording um i i i i was quite skeptical going in i wanted it to be good but i was like i'm getting a distinct vl stank off of this and actually yeah. actually i really enjoyed it yeah there was there was, there was some i i would i would sum it as i enjoyed pretty much all of the matches i hated everything that wasn't a match so <laughs> All of the other stuff, like the library. Oh, yeah, that, the, the pre-show was garbage. But, yes, like, um, um, as soon as the main show started, it was, like, mostly just really good wrestling. Yeah. Like, um, like, hey, who knows? Like, pe- people people go for that. Also, like, all the love in the world to Emi Sakura for uh, deciding that, like, what must have been one of the biggest crowd she's ever performed of in, in front of in her career, if not the biggest. And, uh, like, deciding that was the time to debut her Freddie Mercury cosplay. <laughs> And I mean, fair, fair play, Emmy Sacker, because I mean, that entire crowd had never seen a woman in real life, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you know, they were a bit taken aback when six of them turned up. Like, I mean, multiple bullet babes were detected that night, David. <laughs> Is Aja Kong a bullet babe now? I, I think if you called her that, you would probably end up with some minor brain trauma from a, a, a dustbin. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was it was a really good show. And it was nice it that was. the um, like the Strong Hearts lads got over. Uh, JR seemed to think they were Chinese, which is uh, rather unfortunate. But um, yeah, and, that, like, was, that was real. Every time I flinched, every time I said, stop calling them Chinese. Because you remember Royal Rumble 2000? 
The, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he knows the difference. That's the thing because there's a bit where like Je- uh, Jerry the King Lawler keeps calling Takamichinoku Chinese, and every time Jr. says he's Japanese, and then at one point in one of the most real comments ever, just says stop being so xenophobic. <laughs> Fast forward nineteen years, and how the worm has turned. <laughs> well, this is actually the uh, the only reported uh, instance from uh, of a man from Oklahoma saying the word xenophobic. So. Uh... <laughs> You know, we didn't have that going for it. But no, I thought it was a good show. And like, I, I did stay up until 5am UK time to watch it and actually uh, don't regret it too much. And it was a bank holiday, so we uh, got to sleep off the inevitable crash. But like, yeah, just like really good stuff. More of this. Um, Tony Khan Championship Wrestling is... Um, <laughs> I, got, I, I, I had to spend a bit of the build-up like explaining Tony Khan wanks dogs to uh, <laughs> our, our wrestling fan friends who don't watch football. <laughs> This it this literally is his EWRC, isn't it? Like it absolutely is. Like because considering how Fulham recruited this season, like I mean the omens were not good, but uh, they put together a much better roster of talent than the football team did. See when I see when I see Dirtbike Kid in centre mids next season in his championship, then I'll I'll know <laughs> he's got like eighty five percent like agility or whatever, so then he'll be right in. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, more of this. Um, I look forward to it. The next one is Kenny Omega versus Shima. That's going to be a uh, great match. That'll be great. That'll that be so sounds good. like the sort of thing Fight Club Pro would have tried to book like three years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, we're also getting uh, the absolute madman Dean Ambrose um, against uh, Joey Janela, which, uh, like, that, sh- that should be good. I'm not, like, the hugest fan of Janela as a wrestler. I think he's a, like, he's. Uh, a great booker when he's not booking Fash, but like, um, like that's that's kind of a, an interesting match. And like, I mean, judging by the recent talk, talk is Jericho uh, um, interview. The the now uh, once again John Moxley seemed to very much dislike his time in the Fed. So like, seeing someone sort of I guess liberated from the strictures of WWE quote unquote creative, I think uh, can only be a good thing. But then you get guys who just like get future endeavoured or future endeavour themselves and then just do fuck all. I somehow don't think he's going to be one of those, but it's going to be interesting to see. Hey, are you listening to TJ Perkins? Um... <laughs> I mean, presumably not, because, you know. Well, I, well exactly. Uh, um, every philo- every view he has on life is diametrically opposed from all of us. So on this yeah. podcast, so yeah, he probably isn't. Um, like, come on, episode two is garbage, TJ. Like, stop kidding yourself. I mean, thinking Attack of the Clones is good is the least of TJ Perkins' is. Uh, it literally uh, took me five years to watch that film because I kept falling asleep. I'm not joking. Every time I fell asleep. Yeah, you know why that is? It's because it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I, the the prequels are like I'm sorry if, I'm sorry if you like them, but the prequels are only good for memes. Like um, the what the one I. Uh, the one I always like is uh, the one where it says, me on a night out. Oh, I'm not going to get political tonight. Me after five pints is just Palpatine saying, I am the Senate. <laughs> so, you know, that that's good. But, like, the films I would um, I would recommend uh, not watching them. And also maybe, hey, if you don't like a film, you are very welcome to just not watch it and, you know, maybe not draw up a petition to get the film remade, presumably with the cast and crew working at Werner Hertz or Klaus Kinski Gunpoint to do so. You know, maybe maybe think, hey, maybe the stuff I like, you're not, it's not, you're not entitled for it to be good. It'd be nice if it is, but um, 
But George, everything after Series Three of Supermarket Sweep was just ruined by the games. Like they need to re, they need to redo it. Like you know, I want a petition to bring back Dale Winton from the dead and have him hosting uh, Supermarket Sweep again. Bring back the inflatable fish. The I mean, the, the the Challenge TV account did wish him a happy birthday a few days ago, which is uh, uh, quite awkward. Never going to read it. Never going to read it. Um, you know, I love the Challenge TV Facebook account because it doesn't matter what they post. They could, like, we have, um, you know, we have literally solved world hunger and people are like, when are you putting on episodes of your bets? Like, <laughs> like they, they can actually post anything. We have solved the Middle East crisis, but it's not the Krypton Factor, though, is it? No. Well, that, that's quite that's quite a good segue to, uh, you know, it's not 6394, is it? So, uh, <laughs> shall we, uh, <laughs> this is as good a time as any to uh, talk about that. So, 6394, if you didn't know, is uh, shorthand to describe the match. And it's quite something that uh, the 6th match... of March 1994. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I was going to make that joke. It's like the the you know, the Stuart Lee bit about the uh, the terror attack on the 9th of November. It's like uh, <laughs> it's, it's like that. But um, it's quite something for a match to be known simply by the date. And there aren't many, if any, matches that I, I guess six nine ninety five, which is the uh, match we covered in episode one, the um, the Masao and Kabashi versus Holy Demon Army tag. And yeah. that, that, that does get cited in uh, the greatest match of all time discussions, as well as this one. But apart from that, those, those are the only two I can really uh, think of. So, um, yeah, I guess let's just dive into it. If we just do the um, go down the participants, as we usually do. So 1694, as we all know, was the, uh, the six man tag match on the undercard of the All Japan show on this date between the team of Giant Barber, Mitsuo Momota and Rushi Kimura versus Haruka Aigen, Masanobu Fuchi and Mighty Inoue. Now, I think actually, like, for all that we've been, like, Giant Barber actually is the first in-joke that we ever had on the podcast. I think this is the first time we're actually uh, reviewing one of these matches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So just to briefly go down to the participants. So Giant Barber, uh, chairman of All Japan, like the main man, the head honcho, the man you all know and love. Um, Mitsuo Momota, I, well, he was the, I don't know, it's it's quite uncharitable to call him Rikidozan's fail son, but uh, he was uh, definitely Rikidozan's son and a mainstay of All Japan Pro Wrestling and later Noah. Um, And uh, Rushikamura, which is quite interesting because, I mean, my main knowledge of Rushikamura was uh, as big rival of Barber from the from the 1970s and i believe i i might be wrong about this but i think he took part in the first ever cage match in japan uh which Mm -hmm. was put on by iwe in the in the 70s i think i think i think that's right but like he's uh so i mean like yeah russia kimura like long time veteran and it's the it's the thing about the the uh, the big rivalries uh, sorry, the big rivals teaming up in the same way that uh, actually in this year, 1994, for all that uh, Giant Barber is, I think, 53 years old at this point. Uh, Giant Barber had some exceptional matches this year, this being the uh, the foremost amongst them, obviously, but also um, the matches tagging with his old foe, Stan Hansen. There's a really good one they had against Misawa and Kabashi um, earlier in the year. And there's a top match against the Holy Demon Army from the Tag League in December, which is the match that actually cost the, uh, the Holy Demon Army the... Uh, crown of uh, winning the tournament so like it's well worth ca- uh, checking out the Barbara and Hanson tag team combined age of 100 absolutely killed it. it's really good um and against them we have uh Haruka Eigen which I think has been mentioned on uh numerous uh episodes before was uh, Mitsuo Momota's longtime rival who it emerged after uh Momota was passed over for the presidency of pro wrestling no in 2005 he wrote a tell-all book revealing that Eigen was actually a ranking member of the Akisa 
Uh, so uh, that was uh, that was quite the bombshell, as you can imagine. And this would be the last um, reported instance of professional wrestling in Japan being in bed with the actor. So uh, you know, it was nice to uh, sort of draw a line yeah. under that particular episode. Let bygones be bygones. Peace in our time. <laughs> Let eigens be eigens. Let eigens be eigens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, so uh, and uh, on his team we also have uh, Mighty Inoue again a uh, long time veteran and uh, Masanobu Fuchi who rather incredibly is uh, still wrestling for uh, all Japan he's mostly doing scoop slams now but <laughs> no. uh, then <laughs> okay yeah yeah that is true he oh I say like he always did quite a few of them but I think nowadays he pretty much just does them and in fairness he is older than dirt so why wouldn't you <laughs> Fuchi is um, notable for being one of only two Japanese-born wrestlers, the other one being Toshiaki Kawada, not to make the jump to Noah in 2000. And yeah. um, so, so actually, if you look at the cards from uh, All Japan in 2000, it's really funny because suddenly you're going from these like you know, Misawa, Kawada, uh, uh, Kabashi, you know, Stan Hansen, all the great, uh, all the great wrestlers in the main events, and suddenly all of the mains are. Yeah, you know, um, Tayo K and Kikataro versus Kawada and Fuji. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, Fuji wrestles Kawada in the main, but it's got to go like thirty-five minutes because <laughs> they've got no wrestlers and uh, and stuff like got that. Got no and, wrestlers, got no fans. <laughs> and like there's an entire tour where pretty much all of the main events were some combination of Kawada, Fuji, and Tenryu having these like really long matches against each other. But uh, I mean, uh, Fuji's Christmases must have come at once because it's like hey, a long time uh, mainstay of All Japan's, let's be fair, quite anemic junior heavyweight division. Hey, you're a main eventer now. So, you know, loyalty does count for something. Herman Nagawa trading the belt over and over and, uh, and uh, Rob Van Dam, uh, lest we forget. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, um, have, you, have you ever seen that match where he's, um, I think it's the Holy Demon Ar- Army. It was like Kawada and some, like, uh, some hard-hitting All Japan main eventer, and Rob Van Dam's tagging with Stan Hansen. This is like in this sort of early to mid-90s. I love RVD, but I've never seen a man look quite as out of his depth <laughs> as I have in that match. It is quite something. There, there like, seems to be like form with um, ECW people looking really out of place, because Tommy Dreamer had a run prior to being like the, the Tommy Dreamer character, and he just looks utterly ridiculous. He just should not be there whatsoever. It's hilarious. Tommy Dreamer looking utterly ridiculous. I've never heard the like, David. <laughs> um, so uh, Tommy Dreamer still getting a rub from uh, AEW in the year of our Lord 2019. So that's uh, he will turn up to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> as long as it's filled with a big fat payoff. Um, so uh, so like no employees. Um... <laughs> like the ones he wasn't getting towards the end of Easy Dub. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> towards the. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this match. So um, I mean, rather incredibly, considering this is reputed by many to be the greatest match of all time, as we've uh, as we've discussed, it's actually only available in this sort of uh, fan cam uh, format. We got ours from. Uh, I had a hell of a job um, actually. Actually, David, I need to I need to have a workers like I had a hell of a job persuading the post office to part with this because it got sent recorded <laughs> delivery uh, by by yourself. I wasn't in, and you would put George Stato on the uh, oh, on the forgot. on the package, which is believe it or not not the name on my passport which is what i had to uh show the guy to persuade me and i i couldn't quite make him understand that it was a nickname and it's just the thing we have so like i ended up telling him i changed my name by deep hole quite recently 
the things I the things I do in the name of uh, six three ninety four. So anyway, we've got this um, uh, fan cam. So if you watch uh, watch this match, and like I'm, I'm assuming, obviously you already have, but like if you. Uh, if you were to watch this match, I mean, get ready for sort of guys getting up for a shite or like to get some <laughs> drinks or whatever. Little bit of Paul Greengrass style shaky cam. But like, I think it uh, lends it a sort of uh, cinema verite, almost Dogmay 95 uh, sensibility. The sort of raw, unfiltered nature of it really capturing what it meant to be like, not just you know watching this match, but actually present in the moment as the greatest match of all time unfolded before your eyes. I mean, uh, I, I watched pretty much the whole card, right? And then uh, there's a match before this uh, where there's an entire leg lock that you can't see because someone has their suitcase up in front of the camera. Like, uh, they're, they're trying to find their seat um, and they, they just stand there looking about for their seat and they just put their suitcase over the camera, like, fully <laughs> over it for the entire leg lock. <laughs> it, 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 and, and then, like, you just look closer and it's just absolutely rammed with Joshi photo books. <laughs> um, but this this actually led me on to a question I had. I, I was going to well, actually um, I, I, I was going to ask you because the view is it, he's pretty much like right in the back, um, up the top, um, and in a corner. So like, yeah. the seats are in front of him. See people there. So what is the worst view you've ever had at an event in your life? Oh God, um, is this is this just wrestling or no, like... just in general? Okay. Um, to be fair, like um most of the uh most of the time i'm going to wrestling anyway so uh yeah um i i had a quite a bad view when i saw iron maiden at sonosphere one time and that wasn't necessarily because um we were particularly far away it was more because there was like a gang of absolute fuckwits um <laughs> like in front of us just I, i'm not kidding just chain taking selfies throughout virtually the entire set oh god and i was like you even fuck it it's the headline act like just at least be in the moment for some of it, fuck's sake. Um, as far as a wrestling show goes, um, I had quite a bad view at uh, night two of 16 Carat Gold uh, this year, uh, which which wasn't actually the fault of anyone at the promotion or the venue. It was just because we got there quite late because we'd been to Mackey's and then we ended, up, we ended up standing at the back on like a bit of a riser, but not really that not really that much and as far as like aerial wrestling uh go it goes that was uh that was pretty good and um but still like the main event i'm not even sure if it was good or not um <laughs> so that's probably the worst uh, what, what about yourself i mean you go to like quite a lot of gigs so i assume you've had yeah. some bad ones yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had some, I've had some bad ones, but um, like you, I, always a shout out to the Celtic Park away end because you put your mind fucking barriers every fucking time and give you a pound off. Uh, just like you get the shit seats, but um, I don't know. I, I've, I've been like, I remember once went to a gig in the in the thirteenth note, which is like a, 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 it's like a vegan cafe for a pub, a, a venue underground, so it's like in the basement, and um, like three hundred and fifty people turned up to see Gamma Bomb in this like 100 capacity venue <laughs> and you couldn't see anything uh, if you were more than two rows back you couldn't see anything people were stage diving despite the fact that the room is literally about nine feet tall um and there's no stage and um yeah it was just utterly ridiculous so you, you couldn't really see anything i'm sure that i'm sure there was another one where i've seen literally nothing of a band um, I've, I remember we went to WrestleMania. We were about eighteen thousand rows at the back, and it turns out that watching like WWE shows is quite bad life because you kind of used to the commentary. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, were, were that it were otherwise, but yeah, you do get used to the commentary. 
it was also the one where like Triple H and Daniel Bryan, and I seem to remember doing lots of intricate like leg work and stuff like that, which really did not come off when you were like, you know. I don't know. I, I, I absolutely love that match, but yeah, I can imagine up in the gods it didn't quite translate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was um, that, that that was probably it. But this this match, this video honestly reminded me of um, there was a, a an amazing story and my, my friend he once bought. It reminded me of you know how you, you get like pirate DVDs or pirate yeah, videos yeah. when you're a kid, old Terry Riley. Um, <laughs> shout out again, to the man. Shout out to the man. Um, but like my friend once got a pirate copy of the first Pokemon movie. Um, and, <laughs> That's all. Uh, the first Pokemon movie already is not great. But like... Well, this this I would pay so much money to have this pirate copy because basically what happened is that it was him and one uh, the pirate and one other person in the screening. It was clearly at like quarter past twelve in the afternoon or something like that, and on a Tuesday or something. Like that. So he was sitting there and he was sitting with his camera for about 20 minutes and the guy at the front realised that he was piloting the film. So he just jumped up in front of the screen and goes, can't see it now, can you? And just ran across the screen going, ah! Just so that nobody could watch the film for a good like 10 minutes, just running and just like obscuring the view of the pirate. And going, can't see it now, ah! And it was honestly the funniest thing I've ever seen. Just this man sabotaging a pirate video and just standing in front of the screen. That's fucking amazing. I, I, I've I've actually had a a really bad view um, playing gigs. Uh, there was a one of the first um, one of the first gigs I ever did with the first proper band I was I was in was at a pub called the White Lion. I, I'm not doxing myself because like every fucking town's got a pub called the White Lion. Uh, but like and like the stage was the stage was quite roomy, but like there was a massive fuck off pillar like right in front of it in the center and so like whenever you the audience were at gigs like you just could never see the singer it was just this disembodied voice and occasionally you'd see like a leg a skanking leg just poke out from uh, behind it but like it was uh, so that was that was quite bad so i assume we've I, i've inflicted bad views on other people and not just from my uh, facebook account so <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um so but yeah like uh yeah, this is this is quite an interesting experience uh, watching this match. So, um, I mean, the the entrances are obviously we're not in the era of uh, flashy entrances, and obviously, like it, you can say that in a sense they would detract from the great action to come. Uh, we've got a, a single streamer from uh, Rush Kimmery from like some desiccated nineteen seventies smark, and uh, quite a few from Giant Barber. Like, I mean, there's a huge pop for the man, as you can imagine. Um, the IWE oil are there with their one streamer. <laughs> It's got a half and half JWA and IWE scarf from back in the day. Um, there's a uh, but yeah, huge pop for Baba. I mean, like oh, uh, they go mental from it. It's it, quite quite amazing. It's probably like the purest heel heat you ever see anyone get in all Japan in the nineties is when people work over Giant Barber in town. Like, even Kenta Kabashi in, like, 1994 got wildly booed from the crowd for daring to target Giant Barber's leg. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very good. So, um... So basically, getting into the match. So if you're if you're not aware, like most of these guys are, are getting on in years, and so what it what these matches, the purpose they served really on the card was generally generally speaking, this is an anomaly I, I think in terms of like the fact that obviously the work rate and just general goodness of the action is much higher. But um, the um, goodness that, that definitely quality that's the word I was uh, I was uh, looking for there. So I'm going to go a degree in <laughs> fucking English and. Um, uh, what the, their purpose was basically to provide a little bit of uh, entertainment for the crowd. So they're generally uh, comedy matches because you know 
people love to see Giant Barber, but he couldn't exactly go, or certainly not on a uh, regular basis. And the same could be said for Jumbo Saruta, who was still performing at a very high level up until 1992 when he contracted hepatitis and had to uh, slow down quite a lot. So often Jumbo is in these matches, like not really taking any bumps, not really doing anything, but basically giving the crowd a chance to see the legend. So that's basically the function that this sort of thing uh, serves. So um, at the start, we get some uh, sportsmanlike handshakes, which is uh, always nice to see. And it seemed like uh, people were reluctant to shake Kimura's hand and he seems uh, a bit salty about it. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> grudges uh, go hard in uh, all Japan in the 90s. There's, there's a lot of preamble here, lots of chatting, lots of just, you know, general how are you and all that. Like, it's... <laughs> Well, you, you have to sort of let it bubble under, you know, the anticipation for a match such as this. Like, um... yeah, I mean, I mean, like even on this uh, like one eighty p potato quality, you can you can hear the the tension. It can just be cut with a knife, you know. You can hear it sizzling in in the crowd. Yeah, um... there's like a lot of sort of uh, general muttering, like um, because. I guess the thing is about like this uh, thing as well. Like, um, I mean, seeing Momota and Eigen uh, squaring off obviously would have been like something of a dream match for people at the time. And also, uh, Mighty Inoue, a bit of an old timer, going back to the glory days of Giant Barber. Um, there is a bit at the start. So this match. Um, so the thing is, uh, Eigen and Inoue um, were a regular tag team at the time. And so they're wearing the same gear. Now, this isn't exactly ideal because, um, you know, we're at quite a distance. And as you said, we are in potato quality. So it's somewhat different to uh, somewhat difficult to tell. Everything is everything is tinged with a hue of orangey brown. As yeah, well. it's, uh, and that's that. I don't think that was just the '90s Tokyo smog leaking in through the uh, <laughs> through the windows. Um, I, I I actually, but the thing is, I was like, okay, Fuji has got tights on. So that's good, because mm-hmm. that's going to help me uh, tear them apart. And then he took them off to reveal, the, you know, that thing that wrestlers <laughs> do sometimes, where it's like, I'm tagging with people I don't normally tag with, so I'm going to dress as them to sort of uh, bust oh, them Oh, yeah. Up. The Bash of the Beach 96, you know, where they all wore the stink face paint. And all <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. But uh, Fuji decides to do the same. So he takes off his tights to reveal he's wearing the same pants as the other two. And I actually cursed his name aloud <laughs> while watching this in the comfort of my own home because I was like, for fuck's sake. I genuinely, when I seen this, Eddie took me off, I was like, fuck this. And then I, I pulled up Pure Rest of Spirit's review of this fan cam and just like necked. All of it. <laughs> like, I was just, I'm not trying to figure out who, yeah, the, the, who did I, I mean, this. I didn't know that that existed, so this is arguably what I should have done. I mean, the thing is, if, if we get it wrong, like, which of the heels is doing the match, like... I imagine all our fans will be familiar enough with this match to correct us. So, you know, if if we confuse Eigen for Fuchi or Fuchi for in a way, then, you know, the way I saw it was Fuchi's kind of balding a little bit. He's got this sort of receding hairline. Yeah. So um, Eigen has a bit of a mullet and in a way has uh, bigger titties than the other two. So those were the ways in which I tried to differentiate between them. But still, even if you got that to go on, it's still pretty fucking difficult. So we're going to do our best with the play-by-play, but uh, don't expect the obvious like sterling accuracy of description that you come to expect from this podcast. I mean, I, I do have the name, so if you want, I can run for the play-by-play if you want. I know, it's, it's, it's fine. I've, 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 uh, no, no, I've, got, I've, gone to, I've gone to the effort to write this down, David. <laughs> Like, you can fuck off with your fucking spark notes of uh, Perosi's spirit. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing it. Come on. Um, so, uh, 
All right. <laughs> Believe in the heart of the cards, George. <laughs> I am going to draw the blue eyes white dragon, um, <laughs> metaphorically and indeed possibly literally. So, um, <laughs> what does that mean? So, um, Masanobu Fuchi potentially he goes up to the uh corner and does the i guess the sort of jumbo saruta pose so he raises his arm and then he says oh, well uh, straight away oh, you're wrong because it's haruka for, for fuck's sake right haruka eigen does the jumbo pose in the corner and then yeah so basically he's he's doing the spot where you go oh like not as intonably as Haxor jim duggan in that match we covered uh way back when oh. in episode 17 um but he uh so he does that in all three corners and then the other team sort of happily move aside to let him uh up on their turnbuckle where he uh sort of does a little balance teetering on the top rope and then yeah Kimura does thank you no I did have that one right actually so uh Kimura does the same thing only he does the Satoshi Kojima peck dance to all four corners <laughs> corners and he uh all four corners i must be fucking hungry uh all, all four corners and he makes sure to give all of the crowd uh, a taste of the action as it were so this is really the um first spot of the match i would have loved it actually if um I, actually i wouldn't have loved this crowd being filled with uh, american fans but um if it had been like you know when people do one of my favorite things that crowds do in wrestling is doing the yay and the boo uh sort of exchanges to things that aren't moves Ultimo Kinedo has got this down to a pat. He does that oh, a lot. Yes. Uh, when he gets, he does his taunt and they go yay boo and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best one was at the Chris Wolf retirement show uh, recently, where uh, Ginny and Jetta had matches. Basically, the the point of the first half of the show was they were it was sort of telling the story of Chris Wolf's life through wrestling, and this stage was puberty. So they were basically both uh, cosplaying as various types of stroppy teenager, one who was really into, like, new metal, and one who was really into, like, emo and, like, goth stuff. And they did a spot where they was like, that's it, I'm going to my room, and they would slam the door, which is actually the door to the box, because that's actually the only slam door in the venue. And, like, they basically traded doing that, and the crowd was doing the aim boo reaction to the door slamming. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I quite enjoyed that. But, yeah, so... um. What we've got here is a bit of rope running to uh, rope running to start with. Kimura does the drop down and uh, he does the spot. I, I I wish more people would bring this back because he does the drop down and then he just stays there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I really like that because like it's like that. Uh, you ever see that Saturday morning slam match which was. Uh, uh, Seamus against uh, Curtis Axel yeah. and Curtis Axel starts running the ropes and Seamus just like sort of gets out of the ring has a bit of a drink and when you come back from the commercial break Curtis Axel's still running <laughs> it's like this is one of these things it's like there's probably some like Newtonian law about it where like if they start moving like they won't stop until you enact an equal and opposite force on them yeah yeah, and I just love the fact that it, it, it took a moment just went wait a minute <laughs> Why? Why would I just keep running? I'll just kick his head. <laughs> yeah, which is, and started putting them which in. is what happened. They, and then he slaps his shit as well. To uh, oh yeah, he slaps him quite hard. It was it was quite wonderful. I mean, it was almost audible on the on the fucking video from this. Like, what what I assume is still a very advanced camcorder for the time. But uh, well, speaking of, of advanced camcorders, I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention about the peck jiggle earlier, right? Of all the things that are always picked up. Swinging titties on this because there's another match, right? Abdullah the, Abdullah the Butcher, where he does his running elbow drop. And you, full flab, you can just see it. You, you just see them flying about, you know, just with gay abandon. His titties just flying about. And it's it's very disconcerting. Even though we're three miles away and 180 potato quality, I can, it's still burned and ingrained into my mind. Like, it's like, you've got really good nipple, um, you know, definition. 
on these camcorders. That's all I'll <laughs> They've say. got like a special setting for it. Actually, if it, if it was uh, the fan was the sort of person who uh, goes to a lot of Joshi shows, like that may well have actually been true. So, well, uh, I was going to say clearly these camcorders were then picked up by New Japan when Maria Canellis is working there. Yeah, it's like if actually you do get a look at him and he is wearing a Urara Red Diamond shirt and going yo, so. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah we get a lock up and uh, Fuji does go behind uh, Kimura does the spot where he tries to sort of almost like tries to sexy dance his way out and then he actually uh, yeah, uh, like if you want to call him Masahiko Kimura that's definitely not fucking right uh, Russia Kimura I, I, I think he tries to do the floss did, did Russia Kimura the, the floss? Le I think he did he, he was a trendsetter I mean um, actually I, I kind of uh, I kind of uh, I, I actually no, I didn't feel bad about this. I kind of absolutely uh, slapped Glenn Joseph on Twitter recently because he, he tweeted like, uh, "2017 is the year of the Canadian Destroyer. 2018 was the year of the Floss. What trends do you think are going to be uh, come up in wrestling in 2019?" And I just retweeted it saying, "Booking more than one women's match on your show." <laughs> it's low hanging fruit, but you know, often the low hanging fruit is the tastiest. Uh, so uh, Kimura does his sexy wiggle, um, and Momota tags in and slaps Fuchi, <laughs> who scarpers and tags in Eigen. So. I mean, you know, you may say it's a puzzling decision to build up to the big face-off between these two storied rivals, uh, or sorry, not to build up to it, but to get it out of the way early. But, you know, these guys are pros, they know what they're doing. And uh, they do this really cool spot where the uh, three heels take it in turns to tag in to have this uh, sort of chop fight with Momota. And as we know, uh, hard chops are genetic. They are a dominant gene, not a recessive one. So um, as uh, Gregor <laughs> Mendel so uh, copiously proved in the 18th century with his little plants. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit GCSE biology knowledge there. So, um, uh, so Momota's inherited his Dar's chops, and the three heels basically think, okay, fuck this. And, um, and one of them actually takes several, what seems like several dozen strikes uh, from Momota, which are so hard that even Kimura's decided to start selling it on the outside, which I kind of love. I mean, I, I mean, you get the salvo on it. Even I felt it. I was like, Jesus, it's, it's rough. It's a rough, rough night. But, I mean, with this sort of match, I mean, you expect this sort of physicality anyway. You know, they're really going out and yeah, absolutely just putting it on the line. So, you would kind of I mean, I think that. just, yeah, I think just because, like, it's a quote-unquote comedy match doesn't mean that there isn't high, what you might call high work rate. Because it's like it's yeah. like these thing, the things with, um, you know, great comedy actors. People are often surprised that, like, think oh, oh Lenny Henry's playing Othello. That's really weird. And then it turns out he was he was really good. And it's like... Well, yeah, like, Lenny Henry is a really good actor. It's just because he was a comedic actor. You know, p- people sort of thought, oh, he yeah. can't do the dramatic stuff. But, like, you have to be good to do the uh, comedic stuff. It's like um, the example I always use is uh, Les Dawson. He'd do these songs where he'd uh, intentionally fuck up playing the piano. But, like, he had to be an incredible pianist to be able to fuck up in the right way comedically. Uh, in in yeah. the same way that you know when Titus O'Neil did that spot at the Greatest Royal Rumble, and there were actually Titus O'Neil trip truthers, and one of them was Brian Alvarez. Brian Alvarez being wrong about something, shocker. But he said, "I don't think Titus O'Neil is graceful enough to fuck up that perfectly on purpose." <laughs> <laughs> and you know he did have a point, but like no, big Titus, you're a man. Um, so um, are you are you looking forward to uh, Super Showdown next week with Undertaker versus Goldberg? <laughs> you know what I'm. 
I'm I'm not watching it because you know for okay I do have the network because I'm a you know, shameless scab but um, I I don't want to sort of add to their viewing figures in the same way that I will actually pay extra for a bottle of water at the train station and not have the free copy of the Daily Telegraph because um, I don't want to make them think they have more readers than they do but I'm certainly going to pirate the fuck out of Undertaker versus Goldberg. Sure, um, <laughs> I fucking am. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuji tags in, and so does Kimura, and Fuji does the multiple slaps in the corner. So I think I think this might be some of the uh, the strong style you hear uh, hear so much about nowadays. And uh, so Kimura Kimura d- doubles over. They do a bit of grappling. Uh, Fuji does a go behind. I think <laughs> I love this spot so much. Uh, Kimura mm. rather Kimura is a well showing his master technical wrestling chops. So he's done the sexy dance escape, and now he does the sort of bunny hopping his way to the corner while in the waist lock. Which I thought was very good, and uh, finally tags in uh, the big man, Giant Barber. Like, um... yeah, I, I love the way that he, he hops towards it, like a bunny hop, and he gets close towards him. But he, he's reaching, and he still can't reach over his arm. So Giant Barber just bop, bips him in the head to make the tag, and it's, it's well, so Giant Barber, just a wee yeah, Giant Barber's a man who like maximised the positives because actually, um, I, I probably have him in my top ten favourite wrestlers of all time. And knowing full well that a lot of the stuff he does looks a bit awkward but like the guy was a master of psychology really knew how to lay out a match and this is just the the example of okay accentuating your positives what are the positives of a 53 year old giant barber he's really fecking tall so why not work that uh into the match um so then we i was gonna say you say about him being awkward but i mean like some of the takedowns he pulls out straight after the tag, they're really, they're, they're really weird. They're, 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 they're really effective. effective. Oh, yeah, that's the really thing. We get a giant barber hot tag, which is like quite something to behold. Um, Fuji takes a gigantic bump off the shoulder block, which is um, really great, and then tries to chop his way out of giant barber's arm ringers. Then barber does a, a drop toe hole. This is a um, uh, 53-year-old man who was um, uh, six feet, eight and a half inches. It's important to be accurate, otherwise Dave Meltzer is going to be coming for us, and he'll probably publish loads of uh, personal information about us on the internet as well because I hear he does that to people he disagrees with and uh, and then the uh, possibly the again the biggest spot of the match I think like the biggest move and it's sort of halfway through but um, Giant Barber pulls out the the devastating technique known as the Judas effect David he does the Judas effect <laughs> the the ultimate move oh, of one Christopher him. Jericho the Judas effect um, the <laughs> yeah, the thing is, let's let, let's let's uh, pause our uh, effulgent praise of this match to take the piss out of Chris Jericho for a bit. <laughs> so, right, okay. The th- the the weird thing about AEW, I thought the Omega versus Jericho match was fine. It was not a patch on their New Japan match from Wrestle Kingdom, probably because it wasn't an ODQ match. So uh, old C- Chrissy J could take fewer shortcuts, and um, also it kind of seemed to fall apart communication wise in the first few minutes. But um, Chris Jericho trying to, I don't mind trying to get a back elbow over as a finisher, but A, it has to look good. B, probably don't do a very similar, <laughs> almost functionally identical back elbow in the match and not having it even be a two count. And thirdly, it made me think, you know, the match before us is the Young Bucks versus Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. There might be some like quite impressive aerial manoeuvres in this match. Should I not just finish him with, I don't know, the Lion Tamer or uh, or something like that? So, uh, And also, like this did lead to... I wasn't the only one doing this, by the way, um, going to a title championship wrestling show in Leeds the day after and like calling every back elbow, and there were quite a few, the Judas effect. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, the old glory back elbow. <laughs> the um, old glory Judas effect. Um, like some elbows uh, are back elbows, <laughs> but this is the Judas effect. 
So John Barber, just like <laughs> Russia Kamura with the floss, trend-setting pioneers. I was, I was going to say, um, my favourite thing about Chris Jericho double or nothing is his absolute heads-gone moment at the Cracker Barrel that was in the <laughs> ring before the match. <laughs> that was so amazing, the ref trying to force it through the ropes, and like, he can't because it's a barrel. Proper joking, your head's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Calling up the CEO of Cracker Barrel to call him a cunt. <laughs> Tony Khan, you're a cunt. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, to be fair, I could probably recite a lot of that uh, interview verbatim. <laughs> and if you want to, uh, if you want to hear a bit more about that, I would recommend checking out. I think football is pro wrestling part one uh, that we did, where we talk about the best promos in football. Joking is foul mouthed ECW style rant at the press pack of like local northeastern Newcastle <laughs> newspapers is quite something. Um, so, um, Barber does the Russian leg sweep as well. Like, that was a, uh, a yeah. staple of his uh, back in the day. So, again, like, he, like he, he does bump in this. It's not like he's not an immobile old man. I think, like, later in his career, um, sort of 98, 99, when he did have bowel cancer in fairness. So, like, yeah, you're perfectly entitled not to take any bumps there. And he did um, slow down quite a lot. But, like, here he, he's taking his bumps. He's uh, pitching and by all accounts, Giant Barber. I mean, the reason he wrestled... Um, on full time on all Japan shows up until about a month before his death was because he didn't feel like he could go out, he could uh, sort of look the talent in the face as president if he wasn't lacing up his boots with the rest of him. And I think that's to be commended. And the amount of bumping he does in this match when, you know, he's a legend and he really didn't have to, I think, uh, like speaks to that mentality is very commendable. Yeah, it's very like Vince McMahon. I would never ask someone to do something that I would do myself, unless it's my son. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, that's true. So Momota tags in, and so does Igan. So we're back to the uh, we're back to the uh, the old rivalry, and uh, then uh, we get another um, another famous pro wrestling maneuver: um, the throwback. Word life. Yes. This is basic ergonomics. <laughs> oh god! It was also a, it was also a, uh, one here just before. I think it was. Kimura gets chopped on the apron by Giant Baba and he jiggles his pecs <laughs> to, to, to sell it. It, it was wonderful. I yeah, absolutely um, it was like to be honest, like yeah, we just scrap with each other really, like uh <laughs> on the apron. Like it's like just thinking like we're going over, brother. Um, and uh now then we get a this is this is a really cool submission spot that we get here. It's uh you know the the Indian deathlock that was the old Harley race move that uh Triple H tried to get over as a submission move in his sort of reign of terror in 2003. I I, I really like the Indian Death Lock, but then he do, he applies that and then he does a guillotine as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a great, a great, great hold. And then um, it, my 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 uh, abiding memory of the Indian Death Lock was: Do you remember when Triple H had a match of Vladimir Kozlov centered <laughs> oh, around the Indian God. Death Lock? With this like no entrance music era Kozlov as well, like pre season two of The Wire. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it was uh, like um, uh, for the WWE title. It's Survivor Series, I believe. The crowd, I think I was literally the only person who enjoyed this match. I'm not going to lie. The crowd absolutely shat on it because they're all Philistines. I mean, it's no 6394. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I see you've reactivated your wrestling forum accounts. We get Bow and Arrow as well. Like and a lot of these guys are old enough to remember bows and arrows, so uh, this is uh, that was quite something. But like, I mean, this is like not necessarily what you might expect from a Momota versus Eigen exchange. If you're mostly familiar with them from their uh, the opening match of Noah's 2004 Dome Show, where it's mostly just them spitting at each other. 
we do get a spitting spot in this as well. How could you possibly tell? Like, that is definitely from your fucking recap, because, like... No, <laughs> because um, what happens is that, like, my motor chops Eigen, and, and he, he does a comedy cell of running around the floor, like, in pain, going, ah! And then he runs back, and then he gets caught again by Baba, who pulls him onto the apron, and then he holds him on the apron like this ten beats of the Bowen and chops him. And then uh, and he spits into the crowd. Yeah, he spits into the crowd. <laughs> the the beats of the Bowen spot was uh, like that was really that's that's kind of uh, coming up actually. So uh, uh, Kamura tags in and uh, actually Fuji after two pretty big high kicks like that was pretty that was pretty great. Uh, not a scoop slam uh, more pointedly. Uh, so Fuji chucks him uh, through the ropes and uh, this thing's happening on the uh, on the outside. It's kind of hard to tell, but there's a bit of scrapping and then Fuji clubs Kimura in the chest and he no sells it. Poorly due to I mean his pecs as well as being agile also very very strong and durable clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the, my my favourite spot is um, we get the one beat of the Baron from Eigen where he just hits Kimura once and thinks nope and just gives, <laughs> gives up. <laughs> Pass. R- Russia Kimura's pecs are what Samoan's heads are to a Luhike fave. Who who would win in a, coll- a collision between a Samoan head and Russia Kimura's pecs? Because you know how Jake Jack Gallagher does the head button to the chest. Yes. Let Let's pray we never find out because I think it might cause the death of the universe. <laughs> Like and, and then we go into a kind of a sequence of all the men clubbing each other on the apron and getting interrupted. And then like one of my favourite spots of the match, Eigen sprints round the other side in an attempt to save to save himself, and Kamura just goes round and grabs him again and hits him. <laughs> and then and then like Barber has a go, and like you really fucking feel that. <laughs> um, so that was uh, that was very good and. Um, I, I, I also en- uh, enjoyed the repurposing of old moves. So we have uh, Momota doing a body slam, which uh, w- that would have been a finisher in his dad's day. Yes, it would have been. In fact, I, I've seen fucking Rikido's and matches where like one of the falls has been won by a body slam. Although, in fairness, you can see 1980s world of sports stuff where that's the case as well. See, uh, do you know that um, Budokan Hall, that was all uh, fields um, back when his dad was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, very nice. The thing is, actually, I... I know that, like, well, I think I think uh, a move that is arguably overused, uh, the uh, Michinoku driver or the Blue Thunderbomb, as uh, Michael Cole likes to call it. But, um, I mean, that's basically the same thing as a, a body slam, but like, you're sort of uh, spreading your legs, as it were. And I have a wonder, like, I think a really hard scoop slam, you could, if you're a big guy, you could viably get that over as a finisher because um, apparently, like, it's a very painful bump to take, like, out of all the moves you can possibly take if you are a wrestler. Apparently, just a simple scoop slam absolutely fucking kills and it's never it's very rarely even a two count and it, it sounds vicious as well like it's it, it, you know because it, it's always the it's always the the one that they use and like if there's a a, a montage for like tra- a wrestling training uh, academy or something there's yeah, always some true. poor scrub getting just launched on his back with a really awful fud every single time and like yeah it, it sounds great as well it always, it's just it's a great move I mean, I mean, why even go to wrestling uh, school when you can just buy some tickets at a WAW raffle? <laughs> you, Grant Holt, Rene Dupree and Billy Gunn in an eight-man tag. <laughs> that, that, I, mean, I think that, that would probably have happened by the time it goes out, but, like, what a fucking time to be alive. Who would have thought that, like, the the promotion to do a, uh, a wrestling show at an honest-to-goodness, well, now Premier League football stadium, <laughs> would be fucking WAW? 
<laughs> like, I mean, absolutely fair play to them, because that is absolutely amazing. And, like, I mean, with Rene Dupree and Billy Guns as tag partners, Grant Holt might be carrying the work rate there. <laughs> I want Grant, um, uh, Grant Holt's getting signed to NXT UK, hasn't he? <laughs> I mean, you, you say that, but, like, don't even uh, don't even joke about that. And if you want to listen to more uh, more of this sort of stuff, hashtag football is pro wrestling on our soundcloud. I've already done that bit. Um, so uh, Inouye comes in and goes to town with some low kicks and a drop kick. Uh, very nice looking gut buster from a man I'm pretty sure at this stage might may or may not be a Ruka like. <laughs> um, I, be- uh, I believe it is. Uh, it's not Mimota, is it? No, maybe. Who knows? Who cares? It's it's one of the heels does a gut buster and a leg drop, and then uh, Momota gets the back drop and tags in Barber, who does these uh, low uh, knees. It's anyway, I believe. In a way, is it? Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so Barber does the low knees and then uh, winds up for the big chop, but then in a feat of breathtaking agility, Haruka Igen ducks it and takes Barber down with this uh, flying forearm, and the big the big lad takes a. Uh, a huge, uh, a huge bump off of this. Um, I think, I think I've said actually um, in the uh, to be released uh, interview we did about uh, about about my Rikidozan novel that um, I read a book called Tokyo Underworld, which was about uh, sort of the yakuza in Japan, and it was written by a guy called Robert Whiting who used to live in the flat underneath Giant Barber. All right, yeah. And uh, he used to be kept kept awake by Giant Barber just practicing back bumps on his floor. <laughs> so, like, I mean, we have we have it in writing that they did make a hell of a sound, and I'm sure they did uh, for the Hardy fans here at the Budokan Hall. And then a uh, a, uh, a flipping sent on there as well to uh, follow up the uh, yeah. the flying forearm. Yeah. That is not something you would expect to see in a quote unquote comedy match, but of course in a Commodore Dark Gun comedy match, really. But for like the the, the red letter match in the canon of Pervasu that this is then obviously you're going to pull out the uh, the big aerial maneuvers as well there's also another great move during this is anyway that does a sent on Boaham says that Eigen to stop them from breaking up the cover he runs over to the other side and goes at them oh, to, yes. to paralyse I, I them I love that fear. spot it was great. Like, it, 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 that, that is literally a Pokemon technique <laughs> it's so funny it's so great the, and they didn't move the, fair play paralysed to fear it worked Don't, can't argue with results there's a really good match. Um, uh, I really like this. It's an All Japan six man from uh, I forget which year it is. Somewhere in the mid nineties, and it's uh, Giant Barber, Jumbo Saruta, and uh, Mitsuharu Misawa teaming up. So the eighties of the seventies, eighties, and nineties versus basically <laughs> some warm bodies for them to go over. It's uh, Junakiyama, Takawa Mori, and Tamon Honda. So they're already young guys who are on a hiding to nothing, and then Honda gets shoot knocked out halfway <laughs> through the match. <laughs> so it's turned into a handicap, and the finish is uh, Misawa does a uh, tiger drive on Imori and then Barber just goes and stands in front of it to stop Akihama breaking up the bins like what are you going to do I'm I'm six feet eight and a half inches tall also I own you <laughs> like that's one of my favourite spots of all time that's a really good match actually if you can find it on YouTube like it's uh, if well you break it. up this cover I will literally refer you to HR um... <laughs> and you'll be doing 500 Hindu squats in the pissing rain <laughs> um, so um, then we have uh, the the heels try to double suplex Giant Barber and get the DDT instead. This um, is, but... I, was, I actually wanted to mention this, because this was um, uh, this is good, because the match before, I mentioned before, it's Abdullah, um, Abdullah the Butcher and Kamala versus... Heavily Bodies, that's who it is. And what they do is in that match, at one point, they do a double suplex on, a, uh, I believe it's Kamala. And then like, the next yeah. match, straight away, another double suplex in Barber. But this time he reverses it. And it's a great addition to the King's Road canon, taking a move from a previous match 
and using it to weave into the story <laughs> of another match. Uh, yeah, I, I say people think that the King's Road was uh, all about the main event. And actually, if you if you watch the uh, All Japan undercards, not just like the famous matches like uh, like six three ninety four, you know this match we're recording we're recording the episode on now, but uh, you know uh, other matches. I think you'll be surprised just like quite how much depth there is to this. Um, so um, wheels of and wheels. <laughs> yes, indeed. In a spiral array, our patterns are grand and complex. That's a, that's a <laughs> rush lyric for you from uh, the song Natural Science from the album Permanent Waves. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been listening to a podcast where they go through uh, every single Rush album and like it's kind of got into my It's really, really good. Um, a real way to listen to this, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called, it's called uh, Leave That Thing Alone. And uh, they're also, they're also uh, wrestling fans. Uh, so like there's a sort of odd uh, reference in there as well. No, it's it's uh, it's good. Listen, I recommend it. I'm, Tune I'm... in to our next episode. Hashtag Russia's Pro Wrestling. Uh, after <laughs> the lads from hey, mate, do not tempt me to try and make that argument because I'll fucking do it. You know I will. I know. Um, so uh, in this sequence, uh, Kimura ends up playing the enforcer as people try to stop Giant Barber's wild flurry of offense in its tracks. And then there's a. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Giant Barber thinks, "Fuck it, I can't be asked to get out of the ring." So he kind of just chills in the corner while the uh, <laughs> while the finish happens. So he's just there, sort of laying against the turnbuckle. And there's a sequence of counted uh, counted victory rolls, ending with uh, Momota getting the three count for his team with a very nifty looking backslide. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing I really like. Giant Barber's like, you know what? I know the finish because I booked it. So, <laughs> you know, what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna chill. Like it's, uh, it's like there's this. Um, I think it's from fucking 1998, as late as that. Like at the start of the year, they did a six man tag that Barber was actually in, and it went, it went 60 minutes. What? Like John Barber was in a Broadway in 1998, but apparently the last 20 minutes of the match, he just spent sitting on a chair at ringside drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know if there's tape of that match, but I really fucking hope there is. So um, okay. So there was a there was a match in Raw last week with Alexa Bliss. It was like three on three, and Alexa Bliss just sat and drank coffee in the apron and didn't didn't get tagged in. Just sat and drank coffee the whole the whole match. They're really kind of trying to pretend that she's not injured, aren't they? <laughs> like yeah. uh, they're really going 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 some to uh, try and make that out. So yeah, there you go. Uh, Mitsuo Moto gets the three with a backslide. So there you go. Like um, you know, a match which is you know up there with the with the best of them in well, not just our opinion, but also like wrestling fans at large ends with a roll up. And you know, it doesn't necessarily have to end with the big uh, with the big dumb move or high spot you know in the same way that um is bret hart versus the british bulldog at summer 1992 any less amazing a match because it ends on a frog press you know the classic uh, world of sport roll-up no it's any less an amazing match because david boy smith went on a massive drinking binge and, and forgot all the spots <laughs> hence the immortal quote quote bret made some fucks <laughs> it's, it's funnily enough i was watching thunder uh, before you, uh, before we did this, and uh, it was a British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart versus Chono and um, Tenzan, and literally 25 seconds into the match, um, Bulldog was a red sweaty mess. It was already a burst couch after Wait. about two moves. Sorry, sorry, p- sorry, hold the phone. The Hard Foundation versus fucking Choten happened on an episode of WCW Thunder. Yeah. Fucking. Jim Neidhart, a man you always forget, had multiple stints in WCW. <laughs> 
<laughs> ah, that, that, yeah. that took me. That took me a minute. I was I was about to mansplain uh, uh, Ted Turner and his whole operation to you. So um, basically, we get the Kozlov thing now. No music plays, and everyone just sort of leaves. But like having entrance music after such a contest of this would arguably cheapen it. And then Kimura does a promo in. I mean, I I don't know what he says. Not speaking Japanese, he does sound like he smoked forty a day for a rather long time. <laughs> like I, I want to know what um what Momota sounds like as well because between Kimura and Barber we've got some pretty great voices on this team. I mean, I, I would listen to an episode of The Archers by them. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Archers, that... the Archers, and Jeffrey Archer. They're all deceitful cowards. <laughs> Oh god! So um, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, they they have it. We've uh, talked for I think yeah a little bit longer than we were planning to about this match, but like I mean, I think this is one that you really want to uh, get your teeth into. So I mean, do we have any final thoughts about uh, six three night before before we wrap it up? Like I mean, yeah, like I mean, the thing is, is that I mean, it, it's quite stunning that a match of this um stature never got a professional release. And it is, it is a real shame that the greatest match of all time in most people's eyes can only ever be seen through a fan cam as a guy goes through a shit in front of you. Do you know, like... Yeah, I, I, get, I get what you mean. I think we're kind of spoiled nowadays in that, like, so many promotions have, like, their own streaming services. Like, um, like even, like, I, I'm thinking of, like, quite small, like, uh, promotions like um, uh, Marvelous or... Um, Gato, Gato Move has a YouTube. Marvelous has a streaming service. You know, and loads of like quite minor Britrest companies do as well. Um, yeah. And like, I think you, I think we are kind of spoiled in the fact like every fucking match makes tape now, and there's never been so much out of there to watch. But like, this is 1994. This is in the um, this is in the days of professional wrestling tapes in a brown paper bag under the table from a Conservative Party MP. You know, it's um, yeah. it was very <laughs> difficult. Uh, to find this sort of stuff, but then again, some of the uh, some of the best art is made under or like viewed under less than uh, fortuitous uh, circumstances. You know, think of I, I'm thinking of like the um, the 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 Phil Spector version of Let It Be, like the really overproduced one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. is that actually like much better in certainly the sound quality than you know a lot of the Beatles stuff? All the all these really compressed eighties um, new wave albums where there was yeah, just yeah, no yeah. dynamic contrast at all because of the way it's been recorded. And you think sometimes maybe technology spoils this, and some things are best viewed through this kind of lens, so that almost I guess the the sort of accoutrements to it don't distract from the actual action, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, in all fairness, I, w- I would say with this, like, it's it's a case of like this this match happened pretty much every night, yeah, on an old Japan show. So there's hundreds of these matches that happened, and if like if even like two or three of them are as good as this, can you can you imagine? It's, it's like, like um, there's a there's a Roman historian called Livy. And like his 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 history books are the source of like a huge amount of what people know about the Roman Empire. But for all of the stuff that has survived of his, there's like four times as much stuff that was lost. And just think how much people would know about the Roman Empire if that stuff had survived. Or you think of all the shit that burned in the in the fire at the uh, the Grand Library of Alexandria. Or like there's an actual list on Wikipedia of greek philosophers that are mentioned but for whom like none of their writings actually survive 
So, it, and but then, then again, think of like a lot of the stuff that is only captured in digital form now. And you know, if that goes tits up in the future, you know, where where is that store? Yeah. Well, look at MySpace. I mean. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good example. Yeah. Do you, do you, I take it you had a MySpace account as well. Oh, yeah? of course I did. Yeah, and uh, and one of my ska bands did as well. Yeah, like a lot of the bands I listened to around about that were MySpace only. So there's like bands that I absolutely adored, bands I was actually like, the only fan of, and the only the only like the only music left of it was on MySpace. Yeah. And then like what two months ago they just said, "Oh, we we couldn't be arsed back up." <laughs> See all that like five years of your life that's that's gone now. Yeah, Sorry. that's that just that's just really shitty. Although I do like that. Uh, MySpace uh, cost Rupert Murdoch about two hundred million dollars uh, that he's never going to get back. So that's that's good. It's quite hilarious, but um, you know you're doing the Lord's work, MySpace. To be fair, I mean in retrospect, do you really want stuff floating about when you were like eighteen, nineteen? Oh God, no! Like fucking hell. We really got off lately. I mean, I'm sure Lars Sull- Lars Sullivan would. <laughs> oh! That, that that bodybuilding forums have mysteriously crashed and lost all of their previous threads. Do you know what I mean? Very, like, very it's... good. Well, it's it's kind of like I saw a really good film recently called uh, Eighth Grade, which was uh, directed by the uh, uh, latterly um, edgy YouTube comedian Bo Burnham, who is my age, and it's fucking sickening that he's made a film this good. But it's it's very much it's really, really empathetic and compassionate. But it's about this sixteen-year-old uh, girl who really did grow up with uh, you know all the all the social media that they have now and Snapchat and stuff like that. And there's a scene where she meets some kids who are like a few years older than us and there was like even they the way they consumed media and viewed the world because of technology was really different to this girl who was like just a few years their junior so yeah it's one, it's one of those sort of things you know there's people there's uh teenagers now on twitter uh saying like you know what would be cool if like your twitter account played your favorite song when it's open as like that was that was myspace like, yeah, that was, and everyone hated it. Like, <laughs> yes, like, yes, I like. No, no, I don't want to be greeted by the dulcet tones of thirty-six crazy fists when I click on your profile. <laughs> and it's quite mad as well to think that literally everyone was a coding genius on my. <laughs> yes. Like everyone knew, like really, like basic, like HTML code and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're like, what practical purpose does that have in life back in 2006? <laughs> Turns out, a very fucking practical purpose that really, you know, would have been great. You're making, you know, your entire profile purple and putting lots of, you know, sparkly hearts everywhere. Uh, oh, yeah, that, yeah. But... That's, that's the thing. That is the last time I have ever actually had any use for, like, knowing HTML. Like, I fucking forgot it now, but back when MySpace was a thing, I was sort of close enough to my IT lessons at school that I could sort of remember stuff. And, like, and then you just fill it with, like, YouTube YouTube videos of scenes from Scrubs, and then, like, you go back to your profile six months later, and, like, they'd all been taken down for copyright infringement. So, yeah, I think probably uh, Big Roop, maybe, for probably the only occasion in his life, did do the world a service uh, when, like, all that stuff got lost to the digital ether. I would say if anyone does have a copy of the Vortal cassette from that Reading band who made uh, Finnish uh, Gordrens Death Metal, I would absolutely pay you good money for that. If you are uh, Kieran from Vortalik and you are listening to this, because it's entirely probable that you are, absolutely get in touch at Pure Podcast. Um, yeah, speaking of which, I think let's do uh, let's do a plug. So uh, we're at Pure Podcast on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, so we have a SoundCloud account, which is uh, the Pure Podcast. 
Facebook page with no content on it. It's called the Puro Puro Podcast. If you are a Triple P completionist, I would say definitely do uh, subscribe to that. Are you an admin of this? Because I keep getting um, notifications from people saying the Puro Free Podcast has another like and I just partridge shrug gif every time. <laughs> I, I, I am a... Uh... <laughs> no, I am an admin. I believe... I think i set the page up it's uh i've been asleep at the wheel <laughs> very much so so um we also have a lovely website called i maintain the double foot stomp is silly.com um approved by none other than uh, mr michael quackenbush of chicago fame after our good friend patrick w reed from channel islands wrestling wrote a very nice article very recently about uh, quack's career as he comes to the uh, um i'm gonna say the uh 25th anniversary or uh, you know uh 24 years, as uh, uh, WWE would have it uh, for uh, WrestleMania. 24 years of Mike Quackenbush. Um, that's, so that, that's a really nice article. There's a lot of other stuff on there. Some of it is to do with uh, Pro. So do check that, that out. Also, check out ProWrestlingOnly.com to explore other podcasts along with match reviews, features and retrospectives, reviews of wrestling books, video games and matches, playlists, wrestler appearances in non-wrestling TV shows and movies, and more. You can also join the conversation by signing up at the PWO forums. We've been online for over a decade, and with over 2,000 registered members and an archive of over 4 million threads, our message board is a vibrant community all its own. Whether you want to talk about a specific match in our match discussion archive, take a deep dive in the Microscope Forum, or discuss more general topics from wrestling's past and present, check out all of this and more at www.prowrestlingonly.com. Yeah, fuck, I'm getting pretty good at that. Anyway, have you got anything uh, you'd that was actually That was actually really, really good. Like, I was stunned that you went right into it and you didn't fuck it up. That's got to be a first. Well, speaking of Patrick Reed, I'm doing a podcast of him called Puro Trash. I was actually speaking to him today. This is very, very me, um, whereby he messaged me saying, I heard on the podcast that PWO had told you that we had to record a couple mobile before they'd add it on. I'd literally not told him this, and he'd found it out by listening to our podcast. I was like, oh, fuck, I should have told him that, shouldn't I? Yes, like the other host of this podcast. It's like when a football manager finds out they've been sacked uh, via the media. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah so uh pure trash that'll come out in a wee while uh have a look out for that i'm also in the process of doing a podcast about uh, glasgow football i believe it's going to be called one team in glasgow but there's lots of things going on at the moment and as well as that, if you are in glasgow anywhere near mary hill you should volunteer at mary hill fc because they're in a real bad way and they need all the help they can yeah. and i'm not joking like they are like their stadium is it's one of the true gems, like it's not a mad 3G pitch of a fucking cage or anything, anything like that. It's a proper, like, good stadium, like the architecture, and it's all amazing. And if it goes, it's a, I know people who get married and stuff in there, and, like, it's a really good place. So if you're anywhere near Mary Hill, I would really uh, suggest you go and, go and uh, find out more about Mary Hill FC and volunteer at them. Give a couple hours, because they will really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, supporting the grassroots uh, and, you know, the sort of smaller concerns, like, you know, not just a good rule for wrestling, but also for uh, yeah. other fields. Football uh, definitely being one. There was a club called North Therapy United, which uh, folded this season. I've been to see them uh, the previous season, and they folded over an, an unpaid debt of seven grand, and that was it. Yeah, and things, yeah, things yeah, like that nothing. don't have to happen when the kind of things are like major community hubs. Really, you are part of the, like, the identity of a place. Like oh, yeah, you said it yourself, like, if people getting married there, it's you know clearly part of the fabric. So like, anything you can do to help, really, you know, uh, thinking locally and all that. Plus two pound ten pints, like oh, you know. Fucking uh, hell, that is. I bought I bought a pint and two packets of scampi fries, and it was like three pounds twenty. And I'm like, this institution must stay alive. Like this is the greatest place ever. 
Did we talk about uh, Smith's scampi fries when uh, we discussed the, the best crisps of all time on our 2017 Christmas special? Because, like, if I didn't, that was a massive fucking oversight. I can't, I can't remember. But yeah, I'm not going to go back and, and, uh, and review it because it's fundamentally unlistenable. But... Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's, it's my go-to pub snack. Literally, um, Mark, uh, Mark Wallace, uh, our friend on Twitter, will tell you every single fucking time I go to the pub with him, I buy, like, eight packets of scampi fries and he probably hates me for it. But basically stockpiling just... them. Yeah, um, and yeah, like, as we're saying about that, I mean, like, I've uh, we've mentioned this before, but I, I've been doing a, um, I've been like noting all of the games that I've been going to, uh, the football games you're going to this year. It, the final count is a hundred and three because I'm not nice. going to a game tomorrow. But um, I've been noting them all. That. I'm looking at doing a blog for that. But in in the year that I've been doing, uh, that I've been going to all these games, I've spoken to a lot of like chairman and like you know presidents and all that of like sort of junior non-league clubs and stuff like that and just because you know they're sitting there and usually they're selling you cans out of a porter cabin that the police cannot look into and yeah like i've spoken to a lot of them and it's it's, it's a tough gig like a really tough it's really hard for them like people it'll be the same in non-league down south like it's, it's for older people older people go to see it older people get involved younger people don't younger people go watch the premier league yeah i'd go watch rangers celtic or whatever they don't bother about the team down the road with them. And, like, you know, the, the people in charge are, are only so old. They can only go on for so long. <laughs> yeah. And you need people coming through. So, yeah, if you have even a modicum of an interest, definitely. Um, look, just any, your local team, as long as it's not fucking Airdrie. Um, <laughs> or Clyde. Um, but, yeah, so um, look out for that. I said, I'm doing a blog, um, and I'll be uh, looking at doing a podcast about Glasgow football. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's an alternative twist. Someone has to. But, yeah, and that's it. As well as that, you can uh, buy some music from me from uh, fastbook.bandcamp.com. I don't know why I keep plugging this one, because I have another one, and the money from the other one goes to me <laughs> as opposed to the other person. The other ones are not wrestling related, I think that's why, but uh, I'm still owed a pint, so Bobby from uh, Bobby from Fastwalk, if you are listening, you, uh, you owe me a pint. Uh, he's bought me many pints. I, I, I like how you're sort of stealing your own labour. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, donate to Bobby's um, fund um, if you go to fastwalk.pancamp.com and um, I think that's pretty much yeah. about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, sorry, one, one sec. I'm uh, just getting a... Sorry, I, uh, Sarah's down in London for work at the moment. I just uh, texted her. She, she knows we're doing the uh, 16-94 match, and she was... Um, sorry, let me just see what she... Yeah. What? Uh, okay, do you want to... Okay, so... Fuck. Uh, we've, we've done the wrong match, mate. Like... What? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I looked up. Pure Wrestle Spirit said himself. It was 6394. It was Baba. It was Mimota. And it was Kimura against Eigen, Fuchi, and um, the other one. Four stars, you <laughs> give it. Like, that's. Four stars that, for the greatest match of all. These sub cunts are really hard to please, aren't they? Like, I know. Um, but, no, no. So, basically, okay, we done fucked up, and. This this isn't the match that uh, that people are always on about when they talk about six three ninety four. Like it did take place on that show, um, so I mean, I think because there was another match that I thought was was better than this. I was like, I don't know, 
Uh, yeah, okay. Well, di- different strokes for different folks. Um, but yeah, we, we have both watched the match, so like, I don't know. Shall we? Shall we? I'm, I'm happy to come down. I've got, I've got fuck all uh, uh, brewing tonight. Let's just. Um, should we? Should we? Should yeah, we review it? I mean, we might as fucking well if we've. Uh, I think we owe it to our fans to actually do the uh, the match that they thought we were uh, going to be reviewing when they uh, clicked on this episode. Don't worry. Okay, don't worry, guys. I know this episode has been like a a gigantic practical joke that we played on you, but we're very sorry. So now we're going to review the actual match. Okay, so. Coming up next, our review, uh, we are going to be reviewing uh, the Fantastics versus Kentaro Shiga and Yoshinari Ogawa. USB uh, USB mouse now because my uh, one of the buttons on my like sort of pad on the laptop wasn't working, but it it had like uh, it needed AAA batteries, so I had to go out and uh, they're, they're the batteries that uh, don't have any of the components that you think you think they might from the description. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And um, uh, I went I went to this shop like on uh, Hare Hills Road on the way to the chippy for lunch, and um, I there was no prices on anything, and so I I said, oh, how much are these? And the guy just went, I think one pound. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that sounds quite cheap for uh, four batteries, so I'm just going to... Uh... I will give you your pounds. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, clearly doesn't care if he turns a profit, so good luck to the bloke, he's he's a, he's a comrade. It's, it's up there the time my dad once uh, got how many jars, 36 jars of Maxwell House for pounds, because he turned up at the barrels and the guy was like, it was six for a pound, so it was like, pack of six jars for a pound. And he picked up a pack, and the guy went, "No, no, it's six for a pound." He's like, "What?" He says, "It's six packs for a pound." He's like, "Okay then, thirty-six jars of Maxwell House. Here's your one pound, sir." And he walked away, and we both walked away, just heard in the back going, "Ah, oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> he realised we had a massive, massive it. I'm guessing that is more Maxwell House than like one man could ever possibly want. It took him about nine years. I think he moved house before he finished it. <laughs> that is. He just had a, a little cardboard box when in the moving van just said Maxwell House on it. Uh, Some manner just getting a whole bunch of jars of coffee outside his door going, why have we been sent this? Just, just end up holding a, holding a car boot sale where just everything is Maxwell House. It's good that we're providing uh, providing adequate material for like the random shit at the end of the uh, end of the episode, so it's not just me and Big Vince talking about fantasy literature again. <laughs> it's like you know, like anybody in their anybody in their twenties from the UK, this is an absolute jam for them. 